0: Good evening, my fellow Americans. We now stand ten years past the midpoint of a century that has witnessed four major wars among great nations. Until the latest of our world conflicts, the United States had no armaments industry. American makers of plowshares could, with time, and as required, make swords as well. But we can no longer risk emergency improvisation of national defense. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. Added to this, three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. Now this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful... Inside the octagon, let's believe the drama's
1: on. All bets off, but the sound that the bell is gone. Searching for the infamy, As sweet as a symphony. Time to grab the moment and leave my name in history. I'm leaving you with misery, that's how I play the game. All I need is one shot to leave the mass stain. I got nervous to steal, mix with the perfect game. I'm not a man, but I'm here to bring the pain. Damage your competitors, I'm a modern day predator. Killing credibility, just like a senator. A menace to society, better keep your eye on me. Understand my vibe, be before. You even try me, I keep my pistol smoking. They ain't no love potion. You about those lose respect? Smooth on my feet, I'm floating. Represent my drunken style, damn the golden mile. Still built the last time I meet you in the trial. Let's...
2: Knock you out!
3: He'll go for the submission Feel the heat creep, the roar of the crowd is getting loud Champ to champ, yo I got infinite ways to make it tap out I'll rap out, get in the ring, I'll throw your crap out I'll blackout, switching up styles to put your lights out Create legends, resident evil, bring the cage down Hope wanted back in the corner, i let my rage out We're Backstage, we put them through tables and leave them laid out Pay back, here comes the
4: stretcher, you should've stayed back I'm a gladiator, stipped in gold and platinum You panic every time I hit the ring, it's savage you can, up in the cage with the animal Break your Adam's apple, punch a hole in your abdomen No holes barred like the beat when it thumps hard My phones fold hard, send them back to the junkyard The belt's on the line, toe to toe, I don't fake it Send you back to your camp, cause your stylist makes shit
2: Then he'll take
3: home the decision. Do you have the skills that it takes to be champ? Extra tough and rugged, gonna break your face, champ. That's the an Attitude that drives a fighter. Every fight's a battle for your life. It's not just hype, cause the fight drives soul alive, the soul of a warrior. Those who rise to glory make the crowd want to hear your story. Clown, get your hands up, let's stand up and trade fists. Then elbows and elbows and pockets. Then high sticks, drop the hammer fist, show you're your grounded. You hold your position till the bell terminates the round. Hell's where you're found, pay per where you're bound. Take abuse till you're ranked. Number one fighter, pound for pound. Some try to sound like they got the stuff it takes to be a champion. not to understate the up examples like a sentence worker take random samples you'll need a drop for the dampening or fight like a champion
5: The world. Here at the Joe Show, we have the finest studios.
4: Where's your studio?
0: Because like I'm in a studio now, it has guitars and some kind of UV light that'll fuck your face up if you look at it and turn it on.
5: The smartest, most handsome on-air personalities. Price of Liberty is is ugly. It's not. It's not very pretty. You're not very pretty. We don't talk about religion. So uh, we're actually God's chosen people. So yeah, the chosen ones. I know this. I think the Christians think that you killed their savior. And we're always respectful to women. When they invent the perfect artificial vagina, you broads are out of business. Lobster dinners, the diamond market—it's all going belly up. and smart, well-informed callers.
4: Buzzy, where are you? You sound like you're Creole or some shit. Where do you crawl out of Baton Rouge? When's... What the fuck, son? I'm a mile. Hey, you better watch your mind now talking about Iowa like that. i will like, some salty
5: That's the Joe Show, Thursday, 6 to 9, on Raz Radio Live, Salty Talk Radio, and PopRockLadies.com. I
2: know you right now, because
6: Is right. It is Tuesday, October 27th, 2015. You're listening to The First 52 on RazRadioLive.com and RadioFreeBlood.com. Yes, I am there. I am here this week, guys. You can hear me. <laughs> you know, I feel so much better than I did last week, man. I was so... I actually ended up out of work for three days last week from that stupid effing cold. It's amazing what those things can do to you. And when you live naturally and healthy... You have to kind of deal with it a little longer. It takes a little longer to get better. Better sometimes because you're not pushing shit in you. You're not hurting yourself. So I do feel much better this week. Much, much better. I must say. <sighs> still a little bit in the chest. You know, still, so still, still a little tight in the chest. That happens. Lots to talk about tonight. Uh, tonight's gonna be a really exciting show. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we have, uh, and I'm, I'm gonna try really hard. Charles to get your name right, and, and you can correct me. I'm hoping that you're already listening, uh, checking out what I do here. Uh, and I hope I get your name right. But we have another visitor from uh, Photography is Not a Crime, somebody who's been involved with a lot of different things. I'm going to learn about a lot about him tonight, where I hope you all learn a lot about him tonight. That's what I like to do in my first interview with a new guest, is get to know them. What are they about? What brought them here? What were they like before they got here? So Charlie... Grapsky, and I'm hoping I'm saying that right, Grapsky will be joining us about 7.15, give or take, and uh, we're going to find out from him what it's like to finally have freedom after fighting for so many years for other people. You know, is is that a weird feeling after, let's see here, almost 10 years of embattlement for this gentleman? So I'm looking forward to the conversation I have with him tonight. Again, that'll be in the 7 o'clock hour. But before we get there, of course, we've got so many different things to talk about. Uh, I'm going to try to to save the police stories to talk with Charlie about as much as I feasibly can. Because, uh, of course, as usual, it just gets out of hand again. Everything goes crazy. People just act stupid. you got cops throwing 17-year-old girls around classrooms. I just watched a video of a cop uh, doing a raid or a sting operation on a dude that has some weed. And the dude tried to get away. All right. The cop said he tried to run him over. If you watch the video, you'll definitely not believe that story. And a 19-year-old boy is dead for weed. For weed, my friends. Weed. Really? Almost half this country has some form of legal marijuana. We're still letting people get gunned down over a green plant. That's just... That is beyond acceptable. A 300-pound... Uh, a roid raging cop throwing a seventeen year old around a classroom is not acceptable. Girl, that is. Girl. Keep that in mind. But I don't want to get into police stuff right now. I, I I gotta I gotta resist that that want to talk bad about police. And I know people are probably just starting to tune in and go, What the hell? He's already talking. Where did his long intro go? Well, you know, I got tired of you guys complaining about long intros So I uh I tried to trim it down for you a little bit. Hope that helps for you. Another thing that's uh, kind of exciting for me this week, uh, those of you who listen to me who uh, may be part of the Bubba Army or Bubba the the Love Sponge listeners, Friday, uh, this show, will have a review done of it by Bubba and the Boys. uh, And I'm very excited about that. You know, my message, my voice getting put to mainstream makes me feel good. And it's kind of a good segment I put together. I'll play it for you next week after it's been played on the show. Uh, it's a three and a half minute clip, and and it's it's one of those moments where I'm uh, I'm really being emotional. I'm really touching on things, guys. I will take phone calls in the first hour after Charlie and I talk for a little bit. I may open up the phone line for the last ten minutes of the uh, of the show there. But if you want to uh, chime in in the first hour here, uh, you're welcome to give a call nine four one. Four two one zero four zero one, and uh, you know any comment, any any thought you might have, anything that you might be thinking about. Maybe you disagree with me. Maybe you agree with me. You know, as we watch everything going on with with uh, the shootings and and the violence in this country, we never really get down to the science of what might be causing these problems. do i know exactly what's going on in people's minds no of course i don't i'm not a mind reader i do have some common sense and i i can figure you know things out if i try hard enough like i said i still got a little bit of that cold lingering here so i might snort here and there i'll try to i'll try to mite it mite it uh mute it out so you don't have to hear it but i can't promise you Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate hearing that it's coming through good over there. I made some adjustments on that side, so it might actually sound better than it has recently on the blood side. Study. More than two-thirds of patients on antidepressants not depressed. Now, two-thirds. Two-thirds. What is two-thirds? Two-thirds would be 66%. 66% of the people on antidepressants are not depressed now that doesn't count the reclassification of antidepressants for other uses i.e shantex and other drugs Uh, antidepressants are reclassified if uh, maybe you have an issue where uh, you know you don't last very long well they'll give you an antidepressant because one of the side effects of antidepressant is uh, difficulty ejaculating so hey let's reclassify this Let's charge double for it because, you know, this is a specialty drug. That's You don't need to come to live, so we can charge you more for it. And there you go. More money for the pockets of them. This is from October 23rd, a few days ago. A new study shows that more than two-thirds, some 69% of patients using antidepressants do not actually meet the criteria for depressive disorder. The study which appears in the Journal of Clinical Psychiatrics I guess that's a big deal if it's in the Journal of Clinical Psychiatrics, right? That's a peer-reviewed study. Finds that many individuals who are prescribed and take antidepressant medications may not actually have a depression, a depressive disorder and that such drugs are often used by patients who do not meet the diagnosis criteria of depression. According to the research, among the users, users of antidepressant medication, 69% never met the diagnosis criteria for major depressive disorders, MDD, and 38% also never met those for obsessive-compulsive disorder, panic disorder, social phobias, or generalized anxiety disorder, for which the antidepressant medications are sometimes prescribed. Other factors, however, unrelated to depression, were found to be associated with the use of antidepressants. Caucasian ethnicity... You know what? Some words. I just have a difficult time. If you play the game, go ahead and take a sip. It's time to drink. Uh, Caucasian ethnicity, ethnicity... Yeah, that word. Recent or current physical problems... Uh, e.g. loss of bladder control, hypertension, and back pain, and recent mental health facility visits were associated with antidepressants use in addition to mental disorders, says researchers. Does that make sense? So if you're white, really, if you're white, recent or current physical problems, a recent mental health facility visit they were all associated with antidepressant use. As Breitbart News previously reported, psychiatric Dr. Julie Holland penned an opt-ed in the New York Times earlier this year, which she cited that a, at least one of every four women in America is now on psychiatric medication, as opposed to one in every seven men, a situation Holland describes as insane. Which would explain why more men who aren't antidepressants are the ones doing stupid things: shootings, assaults, not listening to law enforcement. And women don't do it quite as much. Yeah, we have the, the lady up here in Tampa region that shot her kids in the back of the head. I'm guaranteeing she was on antidepressants. You got mothers that drown their kids or kill their kids on a regular basis not quite as much as you see psychotic men in the world though so i guess that would make sense wouldn't it uh for the blah, blah blah holland observed that women are emotional and sensitive by design which is you know we all know that if you're married or you have a girlfriend you understand that you know, women can can be a handful sometimes i mean let's be honest they know it we know it i love my wife but you know she can be a handful every once in a while i mean let's be honest <coughs> Excuse me uh, blah blah blah. according to Holland, women are nearly twice as likely to receive a diagnosis of depression or anxiety disorder than men are. Her concern is that the uptick in prescription for psych- psychiatric medication is creating a new normal, encouraging more women women to seek chemical assistance. Women have learned that their normal feelings of sadness and anxiety, while they may be uncomfortable, are st- symptoms of pathology. Helen wrote we need to appreciate them as a healthy adaptive part of our biology and I, I i couldn't agree more you don't you don't ever reach the plateau of what you can be and what you are until you experience life problems until you actually go through issues and learn how to deal with them learn how to be a and understanding a calm person that that's part of the growing up process and the only way to learn that is to experience these issues I mean listen I had my first kid straight out of high school didn't get along with the girl at all we did not get along at all we tried to make it work didn't work I cheated on my girlfriend to have this child lost a girlfriend gained a child with a girl I didn't like at all. It was a big uphill battle. They tried to put me on antidepressants, and I'm just, you know, I I don't remember to take pills, let's be honest. I just don't remember to take pills, which is a good thing. You know, back then, the only time I remember to take pills is when I was trying to mess up my brain. haven't done that in a long time. Don't want to do it. But the point being is I struggled, I went through some hard times, man I did stupid things, I drank a lot I explored into coke, I did acid, I smoked exorbitant amounts of pot well, that really hasn't changed, I guess but you get my point, right? I learned, I I, I became a stronger person yeah, I might have sat in the corner and cried a little bit every once in a while yeah, I might have actually had a barrel of a gun in my mouth and thought about pulling the trigger, but I didn't thank God to my cats I know that's a whole story in itself if you're listening to me the first time I'll tell you that story one day that's an interesting story it's amazing how how different things can affect how you do we don't need these drugs yes don't get me wrong I'm sure there are people that benefit from them I hear that argument all the time oh well you know my father needed them I needed them. I wouldn't be a good person without them. So be it. A broken clock is right twice a day. Maybe you were, they happened to get the chemical that was imbalanced in your brain straight. That just happened to be yours. It worked right for you. When, I, when they have a test to be able to determine what chemical is imbalanced and say, this is what we need to repair, this is where the problem is, Let's do it. We know exactly what we're replacing. When they can do that, I'll give a little more uh, credence to the pharmaceutical industry and the psychotropic and the the psychiatric profession. But right now, it's a stab in the dark, and they might get lucky sometimes. And guess what? Every once in a while, they get real unlucky. And somebody goes and shoots up a school or a shopping mall or a movie theater this stuff does, just doesn't happen crazy people are out there we all know that nobody's arguing that we do understand that there'll always be crazy people okay really Sonny? I'm doing a radio show here you mind? just be quiet <laughs> that was my cat in the background giving a little noise and a little background mm, mm, information from him <laughs> yeah I am a cat guy so basically, ba- what they're saying is sixty-nine uh, percent. You know, I went with sixty-six because that's two-thirds. But they're saying sixty-nine percent of the country is taking uh, antidepressants that maybe they shouldn't be taking. Why would they want sixty? Why would they want so many people on these drugs? What do these drugs do? Hmm? Do they make you acquiesce a little more, a little more compliant? Do you listen to law enforcement a little better? wouldn't that be amazing and then fluoride you know fluoride has nothing to do with that Nazis didn't put fluoride in the water of the concentration camps to try to docile the uh, inmates and keep them from uh, fighting back no that didn't happen that's not in the history books that didn't really happen no those things don't really happen (laughs) yes Wayne just say white people (laughs) oh man so, with that all uh, said and done, i got to take a sip here. Hold on for a sec. i got a little dry mouth there. This uh, this cold has just been... I know, you guys don't want to hear me whine about my cold this week. You had to listen to me last week whine about my cold. I get it. Uh, as we all know, in the middle of my cold, I sat and watched a, a, uh, a Back to the Future marathon. Because... You know, we finally got to the day of Back to the Future. Really isn't what we expected. Of course, you don't really expect the, those guys to know what was going to happen. But they did get some things right. And, and, and in honor of Back to the Future, before the next break here, let's, let's go over what they might have got right. I, mean, I think we can all see what they get right, right? All right, here we go. Five Back to the Future Big Brother predictions that came true. Oh, our buddies at the I-word. I word. I really don't use them very often, but every once in a while they got some good stories. Personal drones. Flying drones appear numerous times in Back to the Futures 2015, and in one instance a drone even takes aerial photos for news organizations. The prediction came true. News outlets such as InfoWars are using drones to take both photos and videos, which we see that a lot. Weather modification. I like this one. Weather, And I caught this, too, when I was watching because I haven't watched, you know, all the Back to the Futures in a while. And, and I caught this one when I was watching. Now I know, I know toad They can't control the weather. The U.S. government never, ever has... Con- controlled the weather. Vietnam, they've never done that. China's never made it snow for the Olympics. Uh, uh, 2006, 2004, I forget what year it was. Never happened. Weather modification. When Marty and Doc arrive in 2015, Doc informs Marty that the government can control the weather, such as thunderstorms. The U.S. government has been experimenting with the weather modification for decades and recently led their researcher research (laughs) (coughs) excuse me and recently let recently the lead researcher thank you i got it right for geoengineeringwatch.org dane Wigginton, revealed how government weather experiments may be linked to wildfires and droughts in california first you
3: you've gotta get out and change clothes right now it's pouring rain wait five more seconds
0: Right on the tick. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Too bad the post office isn't as efficient as the weather service.
6: Yeah, in the future we know the weather because we're controlling it. Biometric devices. In the film, Marty's girlfriend uses her thumbprint to open the door to a house. Today's 2015 is no different. Financial institutions, tech companies, and transhumanists have been advocating the widespread use of biometrics for quite some time in fact public schools have been installing palm scanners in lunchrooms for students to use to pay for their meals which has sparked major outrage from both parents and privacy advocates but unlike passwords your fingerprints palm prints and other biometric data cannot be replaced if they've comp- if they're compromised by hackers so that's one biometrics or that's three three yeah three Mobile payment technology. In the movie, an elderly lady asks Marty to electronically donate $100 to the Save Hill Valley Historical Clock Tower. In real life, international banks have, in fact, been pushing for wireless, cashless payments via smartphones and other devices to not only eradicate privacy, but also allow financial institutions and the government unparalleled ability to confiscate money at will through taxes and bail ins. Smart technology and wearables. Marty McFly's wearable. Marty McFly wears smart clothing in 2015, which uses sensors to adjust to its his size. In today's 2015, smart technology invades every aspect of our lives, and not necessarily in good ways. Hush. <laughs> smart street lights that track everything we do, all the time, are on her. Uh, wait. Let me try that again. Let's start over. Smart streetlights that track everything we do all the time are on the horizon, according to CBS News, which news report which touted the environmental benefits of new LED systems that also feature an array of surveillance capabilities. And that was reported in 2015, 14. And today's smart technology is also invading the privacy of your own home, from conventional smart meters to smart TVs which record everything you say. And don't forget your computer and your laptop and your Wii and your PlayStation and uh, whatever else you have laying around. It's all listening to you all the time. So I thought that was interesting. You know, some of the things we see. and Of course, they got a lot of things wrong. We don't have... A, well, actually, we do have a hoverboard. <coughs> They're working on it. And I was watching a video about that. And it came from trying to develop... The development of this this hoverboard, which actually works, they were trying to develop new ways of building buildings and houses in in earthquake zones. And they figured uh, you have a maglev train, right? Well, the the train doesn't start levitating till it reaches reaches a certain speed, and that's when it begins to levitate. Otherwise, it's still dragging, right? So what they've developed is a closed circuit, magnetic circuit that's closed that allows the levitation to happen, and they're they're trying to build this large enough to put houses on to help uh, you know combat earthquakes and different things like that. I think it's a great idea. Keep moving forward. Let's get that hoverboard. I'd like to ride it. Although the one I saw, man, it didn't really it didn't look very easy to ride, you know, because you got to remember when you're on a skateboard. Right, the wheels go one direction unless you force them. Well, this thing kind of just spun freely. Uh, you can search it. I, I, I don't have the video in front of me. I, I don't remember the company that made it, uh, but but it is out there. I, I watched a video, uh, a documentary on on Back to the Future. It was really interesting. Uh, if you didn't know this, they actually recorded six weeks of that movie with a different actor than than uh, than uh, what's his name. Duh, what's his name? Marty McFly. Um, hello, hello? Michael J. Fox. Goodness. I'm getting old. I'm, I'm starting to forget things. Alright, guys, that's the uh the first half hour of the first 52. I gotta take a break here. Take care of some things. You listen to the first fifty-two on RazRadioLive.com Live.com, radiofreeblood.com. I'll be back with you in a couple minutes. Just sit tight, my friends. Just sit tight. Get my out. Hold on.
1: What am I supposed to say? What am I doing
6: <laughs> what's your name again Sean Raz Four Toad and Lexi oh, I meant Four Toad sure oh. Or Dave <laughs> Dave
4: hey it's always great to be on the first 52 with Sean Raz Four Toad and Lexi no, I that sound like shit what am I, give me a script here come on I can't do this you're putting me on, under pressure Bob don't worry about it here
1: and uh Dr. Bob it's Dr. Bob yeah.
4: it's Dr. Bob Tuscan
1: it's Bob Tuscan, and you're listening to the first 52 on Raz Radio with my buddies Sean
4: Raz and Lexi Raz and that guy Forto.
7: And
3: those people, who conspiracy go, theorists, they've been crazy, but now Can they're right. Can I
8: get the 2.3 trillion? When does a citizen become a civilian? When did the heroes morph into the villains? How can two planes powderize three buildings? These are questions that could get you politically, socially, physically put into the dirt. Many swear that there's some kind of conflict of interest within. The conflict depends upon what you're interested in. You can chant 9-11 was an inside job all day until you say the Mossad. And pay closer attention to Flight 175 in the odd cylindrical pod beneath the fuselage. Then it's 2 plus 2 level addition. After you factor in the flight termination system And flashbacks of the cast and good rabbi stole September 10th style, right down the rabbit hole It murdered accountants, bookkeepers and budget analysts That side of the building was retrofitted prior to this The whiff stand, bomb, blast, and nickname, you catch your catcher's myth If that don't give you some kind of clue why they blew the mortar should probably take some medication for your new disorder The buildings are burning Don't ever trust a news reporter with 267 stories of gruesome slaughter They'll never mention dubs, Keem, and trillion stolen, much less missile equipped loins, even remote controlling With system planning corporation international The folks to see if you got some buildings you'd like to crash into But that's impossible without the proper capital That's why I'm asking you what you would do with unimaginable wealth So much money you can't delve in it Enough to buy five presidents in twelve minutes
4: Come on, you
9: What's up, Raz Radio fam? It's your man, Wayne, in Baltimore, and I'm doing my thing live on Saturdays from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time when I bring you the chocolate drop on RazRadioLive.com. Join us as we play music, talk sports, politics, and whatever's going on in the news. And um, chances are you might learn something. Chances are you won't. So join me and Joe from Maine on Saturdays from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on RazRadioLive.com. Oh, and by the way, no devil music.
6: Back with first fifty on RazRadio and RadioFreeBlood.com. Sean Raz, your host.
2: Sunshine Blue Skies. Please go. October 27th, 2015. I found another and gone away with her with my future. My life is filled with gloom. So day after day. Ah,
6: I love all music. I stay locked up in I grew my up on this stuff. I used to sit in the studio with my dad when he'd do his show. I grew such an appreciation of music like this. We need good music like this again. Why don't we have good music like this anymore? What's happened to our music? Why do we allow? Why do we allow big business and, and big cooperation and to control our thoughts? You know, our children are not hearing real music. They don't know what real music is. At this point in time, in my opinion, now you don't get anything better than. You don't get anything better than fifties and sixties, seventies. Huh? It just it it really touches you deep inside, especially growing up on it, man. You know, it just it gets you. It makes you think about things. There's so many different songs that. That bring up all my childhood memories There's a weird life growing up uh, As the son of a An oldies DJ in Philadelphia You get to meet people like High lit And Don Cannon and, uh, oh, Who was the guy that did the American Bandstand I mean all these guys They, they grew up they, they, they thrived Where I live When radio and, and music and so much more that's that's why that's why i play mainly truther you know truther music people like heist Click, frank castle rebel inc uh payday there's just so many different songs out there and 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 they're different kind of songs. i mean most of them are you get a lot of hip-hop I, I don't know why hip-hop tends to be the the bigger one for the freedom songs it does. It's hip hop and rock, rock, you know, hard rock. You you don't have much in between. There are a few here and there that are that are good songs. Well, I remember what Scott Ledger. You know, hey, speaking of eight o'clock, dangerous conversation. You know, show number two. Look forward to hearing. Uh, I think he's taking calls tonight. That should be interesting. Uh, watching Scott try to uh, navigate the Skype phone system. It's it's much different than than uh, having somebody answer it for you and put it on. But uh I look forward to hearing Scott's show tonight. I'll be tuned in and listening well at eight o'clock. Dangerous conversation. Uh wow. It's amazing to just be able to say that it's back. It really is. Nine four one four two one zero four zero one. 401 you got about twenty minutes if you want to put your two cents in. You wanna give me a holler, I'll be I'll be watching the Skype line there. I'm more than happy to take your calls first hour. Like I said, maybe the last ten minutes or so of the uh, of uh the interview with Charlie, we'll take some calls, but let's see how the interview goes. I don't like to take calls my first interview with somebody. Uh, part of that first interview is is our introduction. It's us learning about each other. That's an important thing. If you're going to build a relationship with somebody who you want to have on on a regular basis, you have to build that, that reputation. You have to build that trust with each other. It's like Rickard, Scott and I. I love that man. You know, I'd do anything for him. He's a good guy. I've met him in person. I've hung out with him. I partied with him. <laughs> and and he's a good guy. I like people like that. I like people you can learn about and trust and believe in. It's all important things. We need more of that. It's part of why this country... and. And why life in general is falling apart. Thanks for listening, Brian. Keep your head up, brother. You know what I'm talking about. So, I brought this up today on the Shannon Burke Show. IRS possessed Stingray cell phone surveillance gear. Documents reveal. Why, oh why, oh why does the IRS need Stingray cell phone surveillance gear can you Sonny shush I'm doing a radio show here do you mind thanks why would the IRS need this this gear what could be the need what could be their their calling for this the International Revenue Service or the internal, the international, sorry. The Internal Revenue Service is the latest in a growing list of U.S. federal agencies known to ha- have possessed the sophisticated, sophisticated cell phone dragnet equipment known as Stingray, according to documents obtained by The Guardian. Invoices obtained following a request under the Freedom of Information Act showing. wait. Information Act show purchases made in 2009 and 2012 by the Federal Tax Agency with Harris Corporation. <coughs> Excuse me, one of the number of companies that manufactured the devices. Privacy advocates said the revelation shows that a wide perforation, prefer, prefer, pref, prefer, over, plus, plus, yeah, that word, of this very invasive surveillance technology proliferation sorry i got it proliferation 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 shows this wide proliferation <laughs> the 2009 irs harris corp invoice is most mostly redacted under section b of the federal free uh, of the freedom of information act which is intended to protect trade secrets and privileged information However, an invoice from 2012, which is also partially redacted, reports that the agency spent more than $65,000 on upgrading a Stingray 2 to a hailstorm, a more powerful version of the same device, as well as $6,000 on training from the Harris Corporation. Stingrays are the best-known example of a type of device called an IMSI catcher, also known as a cell site simulator. About the size of a briefcase, they work by pretending to be something that they're not. No, that's not what it says. <laughs> pretending to be cell phone towers in order to strip metadata and, and in some cases even content from phones which connect to them. Why does the IRS need this? Why? What does the IRS need to investigate why do we even have the freaking IRS anymore oh that's right the Federal Reserve Act of 1933 or 1913 caused the yeah okay now I remember uh, now, now I remember why we have the IRS it's to rob from us it's to steal from our pockets it's to take the hard earned money away from you so they don't need stingrays in my you know opinion I mean I don't really mean anything I know I'm just this little you know peon behind a microphone with opinions that most people don't like I'm love I'm 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 loving the conversation if you want to see a great conversation go to my Facebook page Sean Raspatello spelt just like it sounds and you can find the video of a 19 year old boy getting caught up in a sting operation and getting gunned down by a cop and people are defending the actions. People are defending the actions of the cop that threw the girl around in the classroom. How can you defend that? What kind of human being are you to say, "Oh, well, they deserved it. <laughs> they should have just listened to the, the orders of that there here a law enforcement officer, and they'd still be alive. <laughs> they wouldn't have a bullet in their head." <laughs> Dumbasses, really? You gotta be fucking kidding me! It just makes me sick to watch people say things like that. It bothers me of of what we've become as as a race, as as a as a as a being. Have we really got to the point where it just doesn't matter? A young 19-year-old man smoking some pot is dead. For pot. I know, I said this earlier. It it just... During the break, I was going through the the, the argument going on on that post. And it just... It's not something we should should continue to see happening just need to stop Malia Obama receives apology from Brown University students after beer pong uh, beer pong photos surface from campus visit They are very, very sorry. sorry. Brown University students apologize to Mal- Malia Obama for posting photos of the president's daughter allegedly playing beer pong. Oh my God. Don't let the Holy Ones look evil. She just can't be a 17 year old girl going to a college campus and enjoying herself. Oh, and a photo got taken. We must apologize shut the fuck up you douchebags don't apologize for her putting herself in a position that a photo was taken that was compromising that's her own fault it's part of that growing up and living thing i was talking about earlier it's part of how that goes you make mistakes you do stupid things nobody should be apologizing i don't give a fuck who she is i don't care who her father is she made the choice to go get herself in a position to get her photo taken. Where where, <coughs> where was her secret service agents to maybe reel her in and say, um, you know, you're seventeen, you shouldn't be drinking alcohol, let's uh let's let, let's move along. It's not these kids that are having a party. They're like, "Hey, hey look!" at They might. Uh, but but just someone probably didn't even know it was the president's daughter. I wouldn't know it. Was the, you know what? That's the thing with me. I don't know celebrities. I could be sitting right next to the a big time celebrity, and I wouldn't probably know it. And I'm sure they'd appreciate that. Honestly, I'd probably end up in a conference because me, when I sit down somewhere, I end up talking to people around me. That's how I just get to know a lot of people. I just like to talk to people let's have a conversation let's be human beings and communicate with each other oh no oh my goodness I can't wait to get all this shit out of my lungs but, but that's what happens when you, when you go out in the world and, and you be a human being you make mistakes you do things that maybe other people don't want to see or don't want to be seen of you ridiculous absolutely ridiculous <laughs> uh, we read the antidepressant story already didn't we I believe we did listen, I didn't play any audio yet tonight isn't that cool I've been doing this whole thing with no audio yeah I took a break you have to take a break I, I, you know it happens uh, Krauthammer now listen this guy he comes up with some good things every once in a while What I'm going to play here for you, uh, I'm trying to drive a point across. And there's a point that that those crazy conspiracy guys have been saying for years, well before I even got into this, they've been saying things very similar to what we're going to hear. Very similar to what we're going to hear here. And and it makes you think, how how wrong are they?
10: Embassies over an awful... Internet video that we had nothing to do with.
6: Well, this is what Hillary did. She came over and I gave her a hug, shook her hand, and she was, did not appear to be one bit sincere at all. And,
5: you know, she mentioned that thing about, we're going to have that person arrested and
10: prosecuted that did the video. That's the father of terron Woods, died in the attack. That's the heart of the scandalous reaction after the attack they knew it was a terror attack they got it from Gregory Hicks who was on the ground in Tripoli who told them that he ended up demoted in the State Department for having uh, transgressed against the Secretary uh, and yet they go ahead, they put Susan Rice on that weekend and tell a tale that is completely false, spontaneous demonstration, out of control, etc., the video uh, I think that's where the emphasis ought to be but. I think A.B. is right, and the the judge said there are three audiences. Well, the main audience that matters, unless she's indicted, is the people, American people watching this. They don't care about Blumenthal. She had a way, when she lowered her voice and talked about the sleepless nights, Uh, it was a gripping performance, which is the way I would put it, so I can remain neutral on this but uh, showing that she really cared, et cetera, or at least giving that impression. And that's what's gonna be shown. And the o- the only thing that's gonna be shown on the committee other than that, in the clips, is gonna be the Trey Gowdy interchange with Cummings, which of course is a conflict, reality TV, and a nice little bit of heat. We're not gonna get the, the contradictions, we're not gonna get the facts, and we're not gonna get the real story underlying it. We're living in an age where what you say and its relation with the facts is completely irrelevant, as we see in the presidential campaign. And it's carrying over into the hearings. Well,
0: I mean, how much did...
6: We're living in an age where what you say and its relation with the facts is completely irrelevant. No way. You've got to be kidding me. That can't be true we can actually spin what's being said to make up a different factual situation so you're saying maybe uh the story of 9/11 isn't all that it, you know, should be maybe it's uh it isn't in relation with the facts or maybe uh Maybe the Oklahoma City bombing is not in relation with the facts. Or maybe the USS Liberty is not in relation with the facts. More and more I'm seeing on these news programs, these guys not necessarily slipping up. I don't want to say they're slipping up. But you can only hide the truth for so long. You can only lie and convince people of the lies for so long. Eventually, people will start going, wait a second, this doesn't add up. And again, I think we're seeing a lot more of that today. I think there's a lot, lot more of that going on. All you preppers out there, all you crazy conspiracy guys, you know, with your tinfoil hats on, because we all know that's really what we wear is tinfoil hats. I wear one every day, don't you? A new material promises NSA-proof wallpaper. A Utah company has a new nickel-carbon material that could help the Pentagon fight off some of its most haunting threats. Of course, it could help the Pentagon, but it can't help us. Your next tinfoil hat won't be made of tinfoil. A small company called Conductive Composites out of Utah has developed a flexible material, thin and tough enough for wallpaper or woven fabric, that can keep electronic emissions in and electronic magnetic pulses out. (coughs) So this is like the new uh, Mylar. There are a few ways to snoop on electronic communications. You can hack into a network or you can sniff out radio emissions. If you want to defend against the latter, you can enclose your electronic device or devices within a structure of electronical conductive material. The result is something like a force field. The conductive material distributes the electronic magnetic energy away from the target in every direction. Think of the splat you get when you hurl a tomato at a wall. These enclosures are sometimes called Faraday cages, after the 18th century British scientists who discovered electrolysis. <clears throat> Today far faraday cages are all over the place. In 2013, as a college of cardinals convened to elect the new pope, the Vatican Sistine Chapel was converted into a faraday cage so that news of the election couldn't leak out, no matter how hard the paparazzi tried. And how eager the cardinals were to tweet the pros- proceedings. Cardinals tweeting proceedings. Ugh, really? So, you know, again, this is it's a good technology. It's a technology we can all use if it's offered out to us. Kind of looks in this article that they're going to try to keep it to the military and government. Because they should always have better stuff than us. They should always be ready to defend themselves where maybe we shouldn't be able to. All right, guys, we're going in the second hour of the first 52 on com and RadioFreeBlood.com. Uh, Jack will be returning soon. I believe the date, you know, there's nothing in stone yet, but, uh, you know, you're going to hear him soon, guys. Sit tight. You'll be hearing him soon. When we come back, we will have, <clears throat> excuse me, we will have uh, Charlie Grapsby. Grapsky. sorry. Hopefully I'm saying it right, Charlie. You can correct me when we're on air. Uh, we'll be discussing, uh, we'll be discussing how how life can become when you try to stand up. For other people's freedoms and for their right to do as as they see fit. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Let me just check all your papers, a routine terror sweep here.
2: I'm officer jack boot.
3: Friday nights at 7 o'clock on RazRadioLive.com. It's one of America's most popular radio programs. It's the LRWS. Don't believe us? Just ask Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. People are allowed to be morons. They're allowed to be stupid. They're allowed to think idiotic thoughts. So during your Friday night plans, make sure that you take Lawrence Ross, Thomas Lakeman, and Matt Davis with you.
4: Dumb Florida
3: morons. Make sure you give these guys a call at 941 421 0401. Get off the phone with your you raggy prick! That number again is 941 421 0401. They're driving me fucking nuts over here, Chief. It's the RWS. You suck! Each and
9: every Friday evening.
10: On RazRadioLive.com.
9: Everybody tripping, I just don't understand. I know you out here in the streets doing the best that you can. If I could meet you face to face, I would shake your hand. Dear Mr. Police Man, them tickets you wrote for me come. Funny, hope my vision kicks back in. I know that I was wrong, sir. I'll never jaywalk again. Somebody told me you was jealous cause that car was brand new. Wow. I said the police jealous? That can never be true. Maybe one day I can be as clever as you, you care about us, so you monitor whatever
0: You're listening to The First 52, God
4: Only Knows Why.
6: Oh yeah. We're going to have a lot more fun as we move forward on The First 52 on RazRadioLive.com and RadioFreeBlood.com. Let's have a little fun tonight, right? Yeah, you, You've got to lighten up. you got to enjoy, like I said, this music. How could you not enjoy this music? I mean, it's just some of the greatest music ever. You know, it just really lifts your spirits. Sometimes it brings them down, but sometimes it brings them up. We need good music. I'm going to keep pushing on the good music thing. Whew. All right, I hope everybody got the break on, because things are going to get a little serious now. I know we come back all happy and excited, but we're, we're going to get into some serious topics here. Our, our guest here this evening, I'm very, very much looking forward into uh, learning about this individual, what he's been through, why this story has been going on for more than ten years almost now, and how it began. So, with no further ado, uh, and again, I hope I have the name right. I want to introduce Charlie Grapsky of uh, Photography Is Not a Crime, and I'm sure of many other sources. Charlie, how you doing? I'm
7: doing okay. Can you hear me all right?
6: Yes, sir. Absolutely. So, I'd like to introduce myself to you. Uh, my name's Sean. We've you know we've been on Facebook together. We've gone back and forth. I've been working with the guys at PNAC for a while. Um, I grew up in a radio uh, industry. My father was a DJ in Philly, and I kind of fell into this whole situation about about three years ago. I've been in uh, in the fight for freedom, shall we say, uh, for about seven years. Uh, so, just so you know who you're talking to, where I stand, and what I'm about, uh, at least a, a quick synopsis of it. Um, but I, thank you again for agreeing to come on with me, Charlie.
7: Yeah, no problem. I, I, my pleasure.
6: What I want to start with, um, like I said to you on our messaging and everything, I kind of like to get to know my guest um, more about them than just what I read. Uh, am I kind of correct when I say everything started about two thousand five, two thousand six for you?
7: Well, the <laughs> the last episode did, but actually, I, my activism days began about nineteen eighty nine with Tiananmen Square. Nineteen
6: eighty
7: nine. Yeah. I got involved with uh Tiananmen Square. I helped uh, eight of the leaders of Tiananmen Square come to America, brought them around Congress, tried to get legislation through Capitol Hill to protect the students and scholars, things like that.
10: What
6: what is your what is your base profession? I, I hate to ask that question, but like what do you do? Like what 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 did you do prior to that or as you were getting into all that?
7: Well, I, I changed, actually, right around 1989. I shifted. I was going to be a veterinarian and a, and a neuroscientist, uh, but uh, seeing what was going on in around, uh, the world around me, uh, wanting to do something about it, I began to study things like politics and law and history and philosophy. Um, technically, I guess you could call my profession a legal and political theorist or an academic scholar on, on, on politics and law. Okay. Makes
6: sense, alright, because I, I know that, that you were, one, the 2006 thing, which is really what I, I focused on when I was researching your background, uh, you were a, uh, you were working at the college or you were a student at the college, which one was it?
7: I, I was a doctoral candidate and I was teaching uh, at the University of Florida.
6: Okay, so you're from Florida area here, I've I've seen, uh, uh, you were not too far from me with what happened with your father, which we'll get into, but I want to start at the beginning, what led um, what led you to what what? Explain to everybody what happened in two thousand five six that region there.
7: Well, I had uh, I had gone away to school in London and uh, got got some other degrees there where I studied law in particular, and I was teaching there. And I came back to the University of Florida to finish my work there. Uh, and when I first got back, it was two thousand and one, and some people who knew me uh, from my past. Uh, Activities. they asked me to run for a city commission seat in the city of Alachua, which is 11 miles north of Gainesville. I had no idea why they were asking me to do it, and I, I turned them down saying, well, I don't live in Alachua, and uh, I don't really know what's going on there, and I've just sort of gotten back. Uh, but by, by about 2005, um, some people had convinced me to run for a state office. And so in the 2006 election season, I ran for the State House of Representatives uh, for, for the area of North Florida, which is mostly Alachua County, centered in Gainesville, where the University of Florida is, okay. and a little bit of northern Marion County.
6: Okay. I know the area. My, my mother-in-law lives in Jacksonville, so I'm familiar with the area, should I say.
7: Yeah. So I I, uh, I agreed. Uh, I thought about it for a while. I, I, I wound up running for that seat. And literally, the first campaign activity I did was to go get ballot access petitions signed, you know, and also get to know the people. And it just happened to be the city of Alachua's local election for their commission seats. And I stepped into a world that I had no idea was existing 11 miles north of there. I also learned why the people who had asked me a few years before to run had had Sought me as a candidate uh, because I had been exposing corruption in Florida since post 1989. Uh, so throughout the 90s, um, I was taking on the good old boy system of Florida, and that must have
6: you know, been a big system back then, too. I mean, it, it's still here, and we still feel it. Because I, I also live in Florida; I'm down the Rotunda Southwest Florida area. Um, so, so I, I you know, I, I see what's going on. We're having issues in our own county right now. I'm starting to see with the commissioners. Uh, so it, it's it's not hard to believe that this good boy system has been go- good old boy system has been going on for so long.
7: Oh yeah, I mean, and I actually in in the case that I brought it, it went to trial in 1999. What, what they did was I ran for student body president in 1995 at the University of Florida, and that good old boy system is sort of rooted in in what's called a leadership honorary. they call themselves it's Florida Blue Key and they pretty much ran florida government for the twentieth century now they're not what they used to be anymore because of the growth of south florida uh... which they've had to meld into a, a coalitions where they share power but uh... but they're still probably about the most inordinate um, single power actor uh... Um, state. and um... they put up flyers when i ran for student body president saying was a convicted child molester and I was the first one ever to take him to court successfully, because a lot of the judges are members, a lot of, you know, most, you name a governor in the state of Florida, he was a member, of a senator, they were members. Um, and so I, I I, not only proved the defamation, but I also pr- proved the conspiracy to defame and to do that, and proved that this was really a political organization that was a training ground for the state's sort of leadership, and how it all tied together. And, I, and, 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 and so they, they sought me out when I uh, had come back for Alachua, but I didn't really know anything about what was going on there until I got there that day. Right. And I went to one of the polling locations, and people knowing my reputation came to me, and they said, look, for years we've had problems, but they've stolen elections before, and they've done it using absentee ballots, and we know they're doing that now. Uh, would you take a look? And then they also told me other horror stories about, you know, if you put up a sign for the opposing candidate to the system, you were driven out of town, the business was shut down, the police force was used against you. Um, you know, these were all things that I didn't, I didn't see as non-credible, but I also didn't have proof of. So I went that night to the uh, canvassing board meeting where they count the ballots. And, and you, you went
6: with another sure. individual, Correct. I did. Yes. So that was Michael Cheney, uh, right? Correct. Oh well, my, well actually, no. I, I went
7: with another guy, but Michael he was there, and I've known my just a few. I've met him a few times with,
6: Charlie, uh, if you the, Charlie, if you can do me a favor, I don't know where I Charlie, I don't know where you moved to, but wherever you moved to is kind of breaking up because you're on your cell phone on Skype. Uh, you moved around, yeah. and I'm getting a bad signal now. So maybe if you could head back to wherever you were a couple minutes ago, because it was perfect then.
7: Is this a little bit better?
6: There you go. Yeah, you're not breaking up as much now.
7: Okay, uh, uh. yeah. Michael, uh, from that night forward, sort of became uh, my left hand or my right hand. man. It actually started following me around with a video camera ever since. Uh, we... That takes. I saw them actually literally steal the election. The city officials, um, and it was just so obvious. It was it was ridiculous. Um, we were very afraid. To put their name on it, but some little residents put their name on. It.
6: All right, we're still it, get, we're still getting a lot of break. I, we're still getting a lot I, of, of break up to
7: begin an investigation. Let me let me try let me try moving uh, outside.
6: Yeah, let me. T- I'm going to turn outside. my video off too because that my I just realized I have my video on that might be causing issues too. Let me turn that off. See okay. if we can speed up our connection a little better. Uh, cause I, I, this is really important because this leads up to what happened yesterday for you. And that's why I'm trying to get the whole story. I want people to realize, um, are we, st- that are you're- we still there? Oh, no, you sound awesome now. That's perfect. Uh, I think we okay, got it yeah. now. Yeah. Um, I went outside. I think this is very important, the lead up of your entire story, because a lot has happened for you this past, you know, this week. And, and I want to yes. make sure people understand how important what happened to you yesterday is. Okay. So that's why I want to make sure we get the full story there. So let's start back over with when you guys went. Um, you, you were asked to go over, at, or no, you weren't asked. You wanted to go over to inspect the the ballots as they were counting. Is that where we're at right now?
7: Well, no. I went and I watched them count the ballots, and I saw them break just about every law in the state of Florida in terms of how you actually conduct an election. And it was and it was so obvious, especially when they found that I was there, and some of the Shenanigans that went on to try and cover up what they were doing. I mean, they disappeared in the back room for about an hour uh, with campaign people and, and the city manager after they got the returns that said that the challenging candidate had won. And so the next thing you know, they disappear for an hour with the absentee ballots, <laughs> and then lo and behold, they come marching out, and, and the, the losing candidate, who was in there for 40 consecutive years, um, is suddenly... Elected by you know eight votes. Um, <laughs> That's now a- I already <laughs> I already knew that there were some games going on, uh, and so I filed a lawsuit with the knowledge that I had, and then I began an investigation to find out more. And the more and more I asked, and the more and more things I looked at, the more I uncovered more and more fraud.
6: <sighs> Not no governments never have fraud. That just doesn't happen. Why is what what the happened there? My goodness, things are just not cooperating here for me tonight. The call went on hold all by itself. See, this is what happens when you have people on that you really, really, really want to talk to. Things just don't cooperate with you. Hold on, let me, uh, I'm going to have to end that call. I'm going to recall him right back. Let's get him back on the line here. Um, It's amazing how how technology.
7: Really? Uh, sorry about that, uh, it, we got disconnected somehow.
6: Yeah, I'm looking over I'm my, I, I, I work with four different computer screens You're on one computer and I'm over here while you're talking Reading through the article of what we're talking about you uh-huh. know, Trying to keep track of everything And your call went on hold All by itself on Skype. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> it is that's weird. The... This happened wow. w- when I had Grant on this happened also I had a bunch of Skype issues. So you guys just keep pushing buttons and, and like I said your story is a, a compelling story and people don't want to know the truth of it. So go ahead back to where you are. I'm sorry, man.
7: So the last I heard I don't know the last you heard I was I had I put a a records request in on the Florida's Public Records Law uh, which for years I had been using and trying to teach people to use is a very powerful tool for citizens to To keep government accountable or at least to know what's going on to try and keep them accountable and what I wanted to look at were not the ballots because I knew that they were going to give me you know ballots that added up to the exact number that they said it added up to because those are you know those are just computer scan sheets what I wanted was the 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 ballot access I'm sorry the 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 absentee ballot envelopes because I I went through with a fine-tooth comb every name every signature how it was sealed, the ink that was used, the the, the postmark date if there was one, uh, and I also had some documents that I knew of when which ballots were given to whom.
6: Are you telling so, me you found some with no postmark dates?
7: Oh, there were several. So how is that even
6: acceptable to be a, a absentee ballot then?
7: Oh, they, they, they weren't. Okay. But you, Just you have to understand <laughs> that the what I uncovered was that you had a city being run by a, a group of seven families pretty much that had been farm owners there since you know the early part of the century and so they owned all the land as this thing became developed and it's in the process of, of trying to further develop so they want to use the city government to, to maximize how much money they can make from the, privately off the public sector mm. and um, and what they have is they, they put in office a city manager who was not you know he's not the key player uh, he's more the key puppet, but on the ground he was the center of all this activity
6: and he followed the orders that they needed and, and make sure things went the direction they needed it to go Right gotcha. right
7: So he was not only city manager, he was the city clerk. He was not only that but he was the as a city clerk he was the supervisor of elections and as city manager he was on the canvassing board <laughs> the one who was supposed to ensure all the ballots were valid. Now, one of the absentee ballots that I discovered that was invalid, that was never actually uh, declared to have been given, that uh, was never re- formally requested, and in fact, the supervisor elections of the county, which had to verify the voters' identification as a valid voter identification, one of those ballots that caused the guy to win was one put in by Clovis Watson <laughs> himself. <laughs> the night of the election
6: it's amazing how they play those games and and you know this goes all the way up people don't believe it but th- this goes all the way up to the federal elections This this kind oh, of yeah. stuff they use they use higher technology obviously but it's st- it's happening on those levels so this landed uh you went to an appeals court on this whole situation uh you tried to fight to get the information they refused to give you the information they said they didn't have to um and somehow this led to you ending up in handcuffs
7: did it not Oh well, m- more than once. But uh, we, we 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 did go to several appeals, and we did take several different cases. Um, and eventually, on that first case of the of the public records being denied, we won. But uh, the day I went to go do this, about you know, it was a, a, the week after the election. I went to go inspect them. I went to City Hall. I carried a recorder with me, and I recorded everything I was doing. And Michael Canney came with me. And the publisher of the local newspaper, luckily, came because he got pictures of what took place. Um, and I, actually, I have it all on recording as well. But um, as I'm looking at the records, Clovis Watson, this guy that's every position in the city, <laughs> um, and he ran, we, we proved that he actually was running the campaign for the incumbent out of City Hall, Um, I mean, these are major felony, you know, uh, offenses, but nothing ever got done criminally to any of them. Uh, He's actually now sitting in the seat in Tallahassee I was running for, by the way. But um, so so I'm looking not at the number numbers of ballots for A and numbers of ballots for B. I'm actually looking at all these little details. So he starts getting nervous. He disappears and comes back about five minutes later while my head's down and I'm calculating numbers and analyzing things, and I look up and there's the chief of police and two armed officers and him, Uh, and he hands an envelope to the chief of police the chief of police, he says, I need to interrupt you and then the chief of police basically says I'm arresting you for, for, for wiretapping because of my recording of the city manager violate the law the Friday before this was now Monday when they asked me to come back
2: which
6: we've actually seen now in this day and age has been proven to be um, not really legal.
7: Oh, 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 oh I actually I, I won that case in court. It took me nine months. I was actually banished from the entire city limits during the time being called a, a potential terrorist. <laughs> and the court actually said it was dangerous for me to go in the city limits.
6: Don't you love that there label? Was... You're a terrorist because you want freedom. <laughs>
7: Yeah, it was it, it was it, it it was absurd. I mean, I guess I used to say it was like waking up on the wrong side of a Carl Hiaasen novel. You might know him from Florida, but uh, I then realized it was far more like a Kafka novel that I was living in. Um, I mean, it's, every day it became more absurd than the next uh, because, that, like I said, after that first arrest, I began doing more investigations, and and to the point where. Um, they 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 arrested me at a at a city commission meeting. Dragged me out, threatened to tase me if I didn't stand up, Ugh. which is kind of backwards because tasing is supposed to make you fall down. Well, he, he could have threw um, you
6: around like they did this little seventeen year old girl in the high school y- yesterday. And you know, I mean, you got lucky, I guess, if they just threatened to tase you.
7: Oh yeah, well, <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that it was being videotaped, they they would have tased me because uh, the officer sort of pulled back. He was about I mean, You could see on the on the video, you can see the little laser pointers pointing at my chest and. The chief telling him to tase me, and uh, the guy hesitated. And,
6: and for business. those of you listening right now, listen: Charlie not, you know, a young pup. He's not a twenty-eight-year-old guy running around trying to cause problems. Well, maybe then you were what? Maybe thirty-ish uh, when this was all going down. Maybe a little older than that.
7: Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, yeah, in the late thirties. Yeah, yeah. So,
6: so when this was going down, he wasn't just some troublemaker. And, and now. You know, you're, you're a much older gentleman, and you're still causing trouble. So yeah. as you're going through this, you're in and out. You're getting arrested here and there. Um, w- where did that close finally? Did that finally close back then, that that's that part of the story?
7: Well, it, it, in a sense, they, they arrested me one last time when I went to file a complaint at the city police station for them going in, the police chief getting my bank account records without a warrant. <laughs> And so I went to file a formal legal complaint that they were required to give me. I waited there 20 minutes, and the next thing they knew, they dragged me outside, they locked me outside the police station. When I knocked on the door to get back in, uh, about six officers came, beat me into unconsciousness. The next day I was in the jail, uh, and a week later I was in the hospital in a coma. (laughs) Let's just put it to you that way. I demanded, just like I'd done on all the other cases, to go to trial. Uh, all the other cases I, I defeated, and this time they had eight charges against me, and uh, two of the charges stuck, and so I was convicted of battery on a law enforcement officer mm-hmm. for going into the police station to beat up an entire police station right. by single-handedly.
6: Right, or or just protecting yourself from when they were beating you. you, know, God, yeah. forbid you God forbid you protect yourself. But go ahead, right. sorry. <laughs>
7: And so, since then, uh, I've been on probation. I was Well, they put me on almost three years of house arrest. I was on probation. I was supposed to be on probation until, until 2025.
6: So, wait, three years of house arrest. So, that was about tw- 2007. You got to sign that. So, you were on house arrest till about 2010?
7: Uh, well, the child didn't happen until t- 2009.
6: Okay. So, you were on house arrest until 9, 10, 11, 12. So, until 13. Right. Right. Okay. I'm just trying to keep everything in line here. You know, I like to make sure I understand the, the circumstances and what you've been through, because, you know, uh, you were trying to protect the citizens of that town, and you ended up suffering in the long run.
7: Oh, yeah. Like I said, I was in a coma. I mean, I, I if it wasn't for someone breaking the rules and, and calling 911 at midnight um, after I lay in a po- pool of vomit since 5 in the morning and my renal system shut down, I would have been dead. The, the doctor says it was about five minutes before I would have died if I hadn't gotten to the emergency room in time. Wow! So, I mean, and plus, then it's also, like I said, I can't. I, I, I was in house arrest. I couldn't even leave my house. They wouldn't even leave. Let me go to the hospital when my mother was in the hospital. Um, and then um, after that, I've been on probation, which I had to get permission to leave the county.
6: Which brings uh, up the next next important part of your story. Uh, as everybody remembers, last year there was a you know a, a shooting in Ferguson, Missouri, and uh, the the crew of Penac was planning on traveling uh, up to Missouri to you know monitor the situation, get information for us, and uh, a, a little law here in Florida prevented you from leaving, didn't it?
7: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, to try and connect the dots, there is, is I got involved with Penac about a year and a half before that. When I was uh, working on Albuquerque and and the and the shooting of James Boyd, and I was using public records, and I was teaching people in New Mexico about public records laws. And uh, I met Carlos and I discovered the overlap of our work, both you know, videoing what goes on, but also they were, they were getting into videoing public records requests, which is what Michael would do of me when I would go into the city of Alachua right. uh, during that period. And so I brought the concept of the Open Records Project to PNAC, and um, so when Ferguson came around, uh, both Carlos and I were headed out there. I was supposed to be the first one on the ground, and in fact, I had a meeting with the uh, the, the the state attorney uh, planned uh, to go over the illegal actions of the city hall and the police department in denying public records. Um, I was the one who, was, by the way, was the one who forced them to produce that first thing that they called the police report after they said there was none and after they denied it to um, all the major me- media. So through the work that I did and then got involved with Carlos and all we were able to get that document produced but all the other documents then started being uh withheld uh unlawfully so I was going to meet with the uh the state attorney the district attorney to try and bring criminal actions and I had a lawyer lined up to bring civil actions uh, to challenge some of the laws or the way the laws were being misapplied in terms of police records that, that involved the, the the Michael Brown shooting. Okay. Um, and uh, I I had to get permission from probation to go, which, just as I had to get permission the year before to go to Albuquerque. So which you were able trip, to do
6: without a problem, right? I was
7: able to do without a problem. So this trip, I was going first to Ferguson. I was going to spend two weeks in Ferguson and then two weeks in Albuquerque to follow up. And a campaign got started on the internet, with this group called the Conservative Treehouse, who are very active in the anti uh, uh, anti police corruption. Uh, they're 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 out there. They're the
6: bootlickers. They're the, boot the stormtroopers. They're the ones that you know, the badge chasers. That group,
7: right? Gotcha. So so they contacted the Department of Corrections and then said that my tweets were were, were threatening violence. Give us an Ferguson. example
6: of a tweet that they called that. Do you, do you remember one?
7: Yeah, I'm going. I'll be in Ferguson next week, and I'll I'll help teach you guys how to use the Public Records Law.
6: <laughs> okay, that that's very threatening. You know, you might get a lot of cops killed by doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I old, don't know. <laughs> I try to be a smartass every once in a while. Don't mind me, Charles. Hey, guys, and, you're, you're listening to Charlie from uh, uh, Charlie Grapsky, correct? Yeah. All right. Charlie Grapsky of uh, Photography is Not a Crime. Is there any other organizations you work with, or are you just really with Photography is Not a Crime?
7: Well, I mean, I, I, I mean that's the that's the most organized group I work with is is, is PNAC. Okay. Um But but I have been involved with others, and I you know I I, I, I don't I don't just I mean, I, I've written you know on my own uh, for different places. I've uh, I've worked with other groups. I'm not, you know, I try to bring everybody together. Is is what I try to do.
6: Well, that's what we all should do. You know, I, I'm not one for divide within a within a group or a movement. Um, and and unfortunately, I don't know where you stand on other things. I know where you stand on police brutality and that type of stuff. Um, but you know, you see in the truth movement or the patriot movement or whatever kind of whatever you want to call it, you see a lot of divide, and and that's not something I like to see. And I like to see people trying to. Uh, Join everybody together Because that's a very important part So we're at um, We're we're getting ready to go to Ferguson And they decide to Baker Act You basically being a Florida resident If anybody else listening is in Florida You know what Baker Act means Basically that means that they can take you And lock you away for 72 hours I believe it is uh, Because they think you might be harmed yourself Or someone else
7: Yeah yeah, I, I had already had my tickets purchased to fly out, and I had a week before gotten the permissions that I was required to do. And then I got this last-minute phone call, which I was lucky I even got the voicemail uh, before flying out, but it was from the probation officer. He says, oh, come in. There's a piece of paper I forgot to get you to sign. So I, my father and I, he, my father drove. I was So they tricked
6: you. Seat. They tricked you in there.
7: Oh, yeah, yeah.
6: A bunch of dicks.
7: And while I'm sitting in the room, all of a sudden, six other people come crowding in this tiny little room, standing over me, accusing me of, of, of threatening violence against police and of city officials and public officials. And I'm going, you're crazy. What are you talking about? Show me some evidence. You know. And uh, they, they had no evidence, but they were saying, well, we're not gonna, you're not going to be going to Ferguson or Albuquerque. You're not going to go anywhere. Um, and I I thought they were about to arrest me. And at one point, you know, I I started getting a little, uh, upset and I started making my, my, my concerns known. And the supervisor told me, well, you you need to just leave. So I said, fine. I stood up, I said, I'm leaving. And on my way out, I gave him a piece of my mind as I ran through the door, you know, (laughs) telling him what I thought this was all about. And I got, I got on the phone with my lawyer, who was a law professor at the University of Florida, and I sat down in the car with my father, you know, a little tiny Prius in the parking lot, and I was just trying to calm down, and I was just trying to talk to my lawyer about what had just happened and what can we do, and my father's sitting there listening to all this, and next thing, there's this loud rap on the glass window next to me, and I look up and it's the head of the SWAT team, and they've got our car surrounded and uh, and then all of the the big people from the probation officer are outside and they're all talking to the to the SWAT team and the, and, and the police there and you know I had no idea what was going on uh, and then about forty minutes later uh, the the head of the SWAT team calls a, a a, a regular patrol unit. The patrol unit comes and they pull me out of the car and they say, "We're not arresting you. We're Baker acting you, mm-hmm. which is to we're we're, we, we're, we're going to put you in a in a psychological facility, you know, to monitor you uh, to see if you're uh, a, a danger to yourself." Mm-hmm. And I'm like a danger to myself. And
6: you want to turn to him and say, "No, you're trying to keep me from getting the truth out there and helping people understand how to do this." Um, right. Let me ask you, Charlie. Do you feel? and I I honestly do, but do you feel that your your The things that have happened to you, the things that happened in 89, the things that happened as you kept growing, the things that happened to you in 2006, the beating, the this, the that, do you feel that that maybe has brought on a post-traumatic stress? Because the way you talked about what happened with the Ferguson deal, uh, it kind of sounds like you get that stress disorder building up and, and you get kind of nervous and, and fearful because of your experiences. And that's, I realize I'm not asking that question to put you down. I'm asking you that question because I think people need to understand the impact that happens to people that go through these situations with law enforcement.
7: Oh, no, I was formally diagnosed with PTSD back in 2007 after the, after the coma and the, and the beating and the torture and everything that went along with that because that, that was really traumatic. And yeah, every time you know, every time I go to court and my heart races and my blood pressure goes pretty high and every time of course police come and, and counter me, you know especially when you know i'm doing doing nothing wrong and they're aggressive it 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 triggers so why do those you keep why
6: do, why do you keep doing it then that 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 is an all time question and that's one of the things I have to hear from these terrestrial guys I work with you know why do these people do this why if that's what happens to you, why do you continue to do it
7: well you know there's there is a rational answer and it's not a rational answer. It depends on just how you... It's not strategic rational. It's not, you know, a means and calculation and do I calculate the benefits versus the cost because I don't do that. Mm-hmm. It's just that I, I see things going on in the world around me and I feel an obligation to stand up and do something. I mean, I think people should be active citizens, meaning standing up and participating and that means speaking out, including against corrupt government. And I've spent, like I, the, the last... 3 3 decades of my life you know studying you know what's gone wrong what, what you know how things got the way they are how how do you try to fix them and so it's just in my nature to to stand up and a lot of people (laughs) criticize me you know friends you know they're like you know why don't you just keep your mouth shut (laughs) you know especially when the police come in and and as you know that i was arrested not just just a few weeks ago in a hospital room or i guess two months ago yeah well we'll get to
6: that one because i think that's a pretty messed up situation in itself listen and charlie i didn't ask that question to belittle you i really am to ask that question because i honor you I, i think that is a an outstanding, courageous thing to stand up in the face of what we see and what we're endearing every day and and to watch other people just either put their heads down or ignore the facts that are put in front of them. I guess that's putting their heads down also. But it's courageous. For 30 years now, you've you've been doing this battle. You've put yourself in risk. You've been harmed. You've had multiple issues personally. And the most recent one that I think really... Would drive me over the edge. I don't know if I could if I could recover from this one. Is trying to deal with a sick, you know, family member, especially a parent, a- and being abused and and uh, infiltrated while you're trying to just live with your family and deal with the situation.
7: Uh, yeah, no, that was really crazy. Uh, I mean, what what happened was back in March, I took my father to a local hospital, private hospital. Um, for anemia. That was it. I mean, all he needed was a blood transfusion and we should have been home in an hour and they didn't have the blood. And so since he had taken me to the hospital a week before, actually PTSD related migraines is what what it turned out to be. Um, and he's like, go home at midnight. They still don't have the blood. They still don't have to go home and get some rest and come back rested in the morning. Cause I was trying to sleep on this little chair in the, in the ICU. Um, And uh, so I went home, and I called in the morning, and he said, they still don't have the blood, but they've moved him to a regular room. Come a little bit later. So I got in the shower, and next thing I know, I get a phone call saying my father has fallen uh, in their custody, and he's in the ICU getting stitches. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I wasn't happy about that, but I said, well, I'll be there immediately. And I got there within less than 10 minutes. And when I got there, he was inexplicably not just had massive A number of stitches in his eye Or above his eye But he was intubated and sedated And nobody could explain to me why And uh, I immediately noticed that he he, You know, when you intubate somebody And they're sedated You you, you strap them in You strap their arms so they can't pull out the tubes
6: Right, unconsciously you you can reach and pull it out That's a very well Right right.
7: But I noticed, and he's right-handed His left arm is swinging, trying to get it But his right arm isn't moving at all and I and you know, I spent time, and I could see that his shoulder could move, but below his shoulder, from from, from you know the upper arm down to the tips of his fingers, he couldn't do anything. Uh, I was able to get enough of him to be responsive to tell that he could feel, you know, he had nerve feelings, sensory nerves, and he had the motor nerves working at least the shoulder. Uh, so I knew it wasn't a stroke. I knew it was you know. It, it, I was worried. My biggest fear was that the you know part of the spinal cord was severed, or, or, or part of the spinal nerves were severed, um, but I knew something was wrong. It took me about three days of having to fight with the hospital to get the doctors to come back in and look again, and sure enough, what they did was they said he had what's called um, central cord syndrome, and that is that when he fell and hit his head, his neck you know, it it, it, it went backward so far that it bruised the spinal cord.
6: And it was cutting off some nerves to that and, section.
7: Right, and it had nowhere to expand, so it was cutting off all the nerves. So he, they had to do surgery where they, uh, where they hollow out the spinal column to give it more room to 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 expand and then to 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 heal. And then they had to put pins in, you know, each each vertebrae from C two down to C seven. Um, and that surgery went great, and then all of a sudden they screwed up again. One other time that I went home... Oh, come, I come on, back these are doctors, everyone... Charlie. They can't screw up. Come on oh. now. You know better than that. They're, they're perfect. They know just what they're doing all the time. Well, no. It, 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 <laughs> they, they, were going to, they were looking for the source of the bleeding for the anemia, and they found out he was impacted in his upper GI, oh. and so they couldn't do the test, but they wound up going back through the stomach and finding it, cauterizing it, but they forgot that he was impacted or constipated. You know, he, there was a blockage in his, which often happens after anest- anesthesia and surgery right, exactly. uh, and spinal cord injuries, especially. And, but they moved him to a private room again. They over sedated him. They gave him massive amounts of oxycodone and my father's hypersensitive to opioids. And so he was out cold every day until about midnight and he would wake up screaming and he had the intubation in him so he couldn't talk yet. And he's hallucinating, and I can't figure out what's going on. I thought there was problems with the neck, but it turns out that the whole week, it was the pain from being impacted, and a giant gas bubble had built up, and so this pain must have been just excruciating. Oh. And by the time I put it together, again, I had to fight several days with doctors, including a doctor who was going, once I finally figured out what it was, he was going to not only intubate my father again, but he was going to put tracheotomy In in his throat. I said, There's nothing wrong with my father's breathing. He's constipated. And I literally had to throw that doctor out of the room and force. And this was the head of the ICU.
6: Which, of course, led you to handcuffs again, didn't it?
7: Well, no, no, not. I finally got him to other Hmm. hospitals. And then I was so relieved when we got to this finally, this one hospital called Health South. they let
6: you set up an office in the room and everything. You pretty much were working for
7: her. And it was all for rehabilitation. But within the first week, they were already talking about discharging him. And I said, no, you can't discharge him. He hasn't even had any treatment yet. Uh, And he's actually gotten sicker since he's gotten here. And then what I started finding out is is that they were telling me something I knew right away was wrong. And then I did a little research and found out how wrong it was. They were telling me that Medicare provides two weeks of care. And after that, you either go home or you go to a nursing home. Um, and I found out that they were telling it to all the patients, and then I started noticing a pattern that my father had pointed out when we first got there, and I was trying to keep him on the positive he 's saying, "Why is this hospital empty?" It was brand new, um, but what we would watch is it it would fill up to maximum capacity and stay filled up for two weeks, and then for three days it would be completely empty
6: and then refill again and
7: then refill again. So I, I, I finally realized that what's going on is, you see, Medicare doesn't pay like private insurers. They pay lump sums, not per day. And so there's a national average of how many days of what kind of care each uh, diagnosis is supposed to cost to, to to cure. And so they pay from Medicare to the hospital for that. The incentive structure, this was a Reagan-era uh, uh, uh Policy: The incentive was that if you can be more efficient and get people cured earlier, you can make more profit. Mm. If you can't, you can either get the average profit, or if it takes you longer because you're inefficient, you'll lose profit.
6: Or you can send them to somewhere else where we'll pay them another profit.
7: Well, that's yeah. But but what, <laughs> but, but, but but let's say let's say the 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 the, 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 um, the cause of hospitalization is one that was calculated at eight weeks of care and there and there are ways if 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 in in complex cases or cases that are going slow they can even get reimbursed for that too they just have to do the paperwork but so let's say my father's condition was an 8 week one and let's say everybody in there was an 8 week one when when they the, the minute they admit them medicare pays them 8 weeks worth of care so if they force every patient out after 2 weeks
6: they make not only are they getting a their profit I-
7: they're waking six six weeks of pure profit.
6: Right, exactly. Yeah,
7: and each bed doubles and triples, and you know each bed is filled and being paid for at the same time three, four, five times over.
6: See, Charlie, that's why we need people around like you, man. Listen, I only got about two minutes, so I, I want to uh, make sure we get uh, coverage of where people can find you. Uh, obviously, photography is not a crime. Pnac is one of the mainstays. Other places, uh, your Twitter, your Facebook, uh, email, whatever you want to give out to make sure people can contact you um, if they need something. I know photography is not a crime. Uh, PNAC has the whistleblower hotline, 305-900-3069. If you're a a law enforcement officer or somebody working with law enforcement who wants to... uh, you know stand up and say something that would be a number to call but where else can people maybe reach out to you if they want advice on on how to handle their local government maybe
7: well my twitter is is at c Grabsky. c g r a p s k i uh and you can also find me on facebook under charlie grapski uh and you can send me email at c gmail at com.
6: excellent that's exactly what we need to know uh listen man i so I, I want to wrap up. We got a minute and a half. Let's r- wrap up the the story with your dad because i I want people to understand what happened. So we got a lot there and and we can do another segment or another show sometime uh, getting into really the corruption of that but but what was the final outcome, and how did you end up locked up?
7: Well, they they called after I filed formal Medicare fraud reports and called their corporate headquarters and filed a grievance 20 minutes later, two police officers came into the room, arrested me for trespassing, which is all on video. Um, they held me in jail for a week without allowing me access to a phone. So I couldn't call my lawyer or or my doctor. The PTSD stuff put went in. I was in a They hospitalized me for a part of that week. Um, I finally got to a court. I got uh, bonded out. Um, I had to then go and get re arrested and rebonded out again. That's another absurd story. But to make a long story short, I now have the resisting arrest without violence and trespassing being charged against me, which is now being used as a violation of my probation from 2007. And they try to send me to 10 years in prison, starting now, on top of all this. But what happened yesterday? And yesterday we went to court, not in Seminole County on the actual charges, but in Alachua County on the probation violation. And the judge watched the video, and before we even got into anything formal, he looked up and he says, there's nothing to charge anybody with here. And so he didn't violate my probation. And then at that point, because we were going to do this the very week I got arrested, my lawyers asked the judge for... Uh, the judge to terminate my probation early as an unsuccessful probation because it was I, supposed to go till 2025. And now you're a free man. I am for the first time since since mid 2000. Excellent,
6: yeah. Charlie. I'm so happy to hear that, man. I appreciate your time tonight. Uh, let's do this again. You got a lot to talk about, man. So I, I look forward to talking to you some more.
7: Sure, anytime.
6: All right, Charlie. You have a great evening, my friend, and uh, stay in touch. I, I will do that. Peace out, but Take care. Guns Thanks, Charlie, very much for joining us tonight on The First 52 on RazRadioLive.com, RadioFreeBlood.com. I'll be back with you guys next week. Be safe. Be happy. Be human.
4: we confused Just trying to get through in this world Always trying to prove that we're worth what it takes But it takes a long time In the dirt to see grace when I'm trying to be real, they tend to be fake. What I'm risking it all with no time to waste. Fuck this rat race. I'm leaving this place. It's time to blast off. Destination space. I don't know how I got here or how I'm getting home But right from day one, I've been in this alone With odds stacked against, I've been drowning in stress They said, can you take more? I said, give me what's left An old man once told me, Ali, don't ever look love back Keep your eyes on that prize and give them hell to your death this is a test, just a frequency check for intelligent life. it's time to connect. It's an SOS, the data's been sent. So now we just wait and hope for the best. With the sunset hung behind us, in the universe of blind us from the moon, we'll watch the whole world explode free, unguided through the beautiful, asylum, silent with the light show from a passing UFO, lost in the glow of the unknown.
3: you guys so much. Thanks. First 52's the
8: bump diggity.
3: Cement, the concrete's alive Where the ponds are formed, the rats run and hide Drama's like a cartoon that comes to life Where the express bus runs twice a night To the stadium that's packed every Monday night To the yellow cab driver that helped make your flight. Where you can get what you want if the price is right And screaming fuck you's another way to be polite
1: the home of the true multicultural women looking fly men swarming like some vultures we affected by a million From the east to the west, we down to take flight Hit the boardwalk, filled up at Queens key. Heading to the island, coming back around at three Cherry beach, sunbathing, volleyball Every Saturday, this always seems to be the call Just a few perks when you're in my zone This is where I'm at and this is where I'm calling home